I get to work with the brightest and boldest people in the world that push what's possible further every single day. That can be in technology, that can be in society, that can be in um, uh, in regulation and innovation. And, and being part of that group of people um, and just standing next to them and watching what they're doing is so incredibly rewarding. And even better than that, I get to pick those people. I get to pick which topics I want to spend my time on for the next eight, nine, ten years on. And I can do that multiple times a year. So if I find something new, interesting, I, I get to pick um, that I would like to spend time in this field or that field. That is that is fascinating. Um, and, and, and seeing seeing then some of these companies become uh, become build products that touch millions of hundreds of millions of people's lives is is so so rewarding. Welcome to the Antler VC Cast. Antler is a global early stage VC investing in the world's most exceptional people who are building the groundbreaking tech companies of tomorrow. I'm Pooja Barwani, and together with UC Salavara, we host the Antler VC Cast a show dedicated to learning from the best in the global tech and VC ecosystem. In the series called Stories of Exceptional People, we speak to founders, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders in the tech and business world. We discuss building and scaling startups, unique investment approaches, tech trends, entrepreneurship mindsets, fundraising, and so much more. Today we have with us Simon Schminke, a general partner at Creandum, a VC advisory firm with offices in Stockholm, San Francisco, and Berlin, with companies such as Spotify, Klarna, and Kahoot in their portfolio. Originally from Germany, Simon built three companies for Rocket Internet and worked with Early Bird Venture Capital. He has also worn the founder hat with food tech startups, Food Panda in Singapore, and HelloFresh in the United States. He is speaking to us from Berlin today. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hey guys, appreciate the invitation. Uh, super much looking forward to, to this podcast. It's great to have you on board. Um, I want to immediately give a shout out to my old friend Frederick, who uh, you know recommended you on the podcast. So if you're awesome, it's his credit. Um, but just let's go straight to it. Like uh, someone who I respect highly and uh, you know experienced GP thinks you're the best investor they ever uh, came across. Like, what do you say to that? Holy moly, that, that, that's, uh, I'm, I'm honored here. I'm not sure that that's true, but I'm, but I'm for sure one of the most hardworking ones. And eventually, eventually those who work hard uh, also, also get some success. That's fantastic. Um, I mean, why don't we jump, uh, you know, to your story immediately, I think it's uh, great to cover that for the um, audience here. So why don't you tell us a bit about, uh, you know, your background, uh, how you came about in the world of venture, and obviously also would love to hear a bit about Creandrum as well for those of the, yeah, for those sure. in the audience who are not so familiar. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> maybe I'll start with our firm first. Um, Creandrum is a, as an early stage venture capital fund, 
um, investing across across Europe and the US. And, and, and Puja already told us where I told you where the offices are. Um, but really, what we do is we support um, early stage founders, typically in the seed and A rounds initially, um, with checks anything from half a million to ten, half a million to twelve. And then follow these founders for the next eight, nine, ten, sometimes twelve years, until until their company reaches the the full potential and then the full size. Um, at what point we we then we then help the founders exit their company or IPO the company. And eight nine years might sound like a like a long like a long time, but if you look at the the mega successes in Quantum's portfolio, the Spotify's, the Klarna's, the iZettles, the Kahoots, all. Uh, multi-billion or multi-ten billion dollar companies all of them all of them took eight nine years so so venture is a really really long-term game and and you need to be a certain individual to to be okay with these very long feedback cycles and the time in between is, is sometimes really joyful but oftentimes there are also difficult times until you until you can really really harvest that success so yeah, we're we're a happy group of people in between two continents, and we've been doing this for eighteen, nineteen years. Uh, I can I can I can share some bragging numbers, but I would rather rather not. Uh, but I'm I'm super happy to answer. I'm super happy to answer the second question as well. You see, how did I come into venture? And that is a very um, that's a very unspectacular way. There was no plan. There was no there was no no long long thought after strategy. Quite frankly, until half a year before I uh, joined Early Bird in Berlin, I, I really didn't have any idea what venture capital was. And, and quite frankly, on my first day when I started in Berlin, I didn't know what venture capital truly was. So the, the industry was different eight, nine years ago. Today, there is fantastic organizations like Antler. There's a, a whole new breadth of, of specialized VCs. And up and down the stream from uh, from us and and careers is a career in VC is 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 an option for for younger people. But eight nine years ago, um, it wasn't. It was it was mostly luck if you if you ran into someone who was running a fund. And and I happened to run into into a guy called Kieran O'Leary who today runs a firm called Blue Yard in Berlin, uh, who helped me get into this industry and, and and mentored me a lot. And and I'm super grateful for that. But Again, if you're looking for a, a great strategy, how to become a venture capitalist, unfortunately, you will need to look for a different guest on your show. No, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It kind of reminds me of uh, my uh, entry into VC and a lot of people ask me, and I used to be a journalist and, and in branding and marketing. But, you know, you speak about this whole long journey, about eight years. And, and yes, that's also something that I understood before I joined, but now I'm actually seeing how long this takes. Um, so what would you say, you know, as a, as a VC that comes in early uh, and at the seed and series, series A stages, what do you look for in a team uh, when deciding to invest? Yeah, that's that's obviously a, a, a fantastic question. And, and it's and it's a so important one is <clears throat> oftentimes when we join, um, join a company and, and start supporting them, there is there's little more than just a team. There's sometimes no product. There's sometimes no no customers to speak to, no cohorts to analyze. Um, <clears throat> and then it really comes down to the to the dynamic, the passion, uh, but also quite frankly the the, the the social chemistry with the individuals <clears throat> between us and between them that we're trying to understand. That means I go on walks, I go on dinners, I go on coffees, and we talk about 
barbecuing family and vacations just to see if that is that's a that's a group of people that that like each other and 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 seem comfortable with each other but also if it's a group of people that I would like to hang out for the next 10 years because we'll be whatsapping and facetiming and zooming pretty much every week for 10 years if this goes this goes well or longer and if you if you choose a partner that you spend so much time with both privately and in business you better make sure that you that there's some chemistry between you right it would be awful if if you receive a whatsapp from your investor and every time you, your phone is like oh this guy again or that girl again so so we invest a lot of time in in getting to know each other and 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 see if there's a a, a fit but that's more on the social view right that that's more on the, the soft factors obviously we we try to find out how big these individuals think are they are they willing to are they planning to build Bavaria's biggest platform, Germany's biggest platforms, Europe's biggest platform. Or are they trying to conquer the world? And more often than not, <clears throat> that's a that's a, a a criteria that that makes us not invest into founders because they're thinking too small, not bold enough, not brave enough, and it's something we focus on. And then finally, to to finally, we're looking for hints how founders think about product customer first ui ux are they are they doing this because of a business opportunity or are doing this because they believe the world needs this product and that's very important for us because we we strongly believe at creandum that the best product wins even if you have uh, someone with a head start commercially in front of you if your product is fundamentally better and you know you have a vision for what to do better uh, then that's a bet we oftentimes take it's a lot of, uh, you know, unwrap there. Let, let me go first to the nature of VC. I think it's fascinating that, you know, you can, you can think you're the greatest uh, investor ever for five years and suddenly like uh, everything crashes and there's no returns because the companies go, go uh, bust or something like that. So it's a, it's a difficult world um, to kind of keep your, integrity as an investor i don't mean integrity in terms of like ethics or anything but more like you know how do you uh, stay true to yourself in assessing whether you're good or not do you have any any thoughts on that how do you keep yourself sharp as an investor when the feedback cycle is so long and you can't really know uh, until you know you either succeed or not there's an exit or not right yeah, I think celebrating yourself uh, too early is a mistake. <laughs> and many VCs do this; comes very naturally, right? Many VCs do that, and 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 I and and um, I'm not saying that I haven't haven't done this early in my career as well. But but with experience, you realize that when there's a good month, there's for sure also a bad month soon, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a bad half year. Um, <clears throat> so that's a, that's a mistake that I'm trying to avoid, uh, uh, as I, as I get more experience. Um, um, when it comes to how to deal with these long feedback cycles and, and how to handle that, um, <clears throat> Hey, you need to be a certain individual I don't, to, to enjoy this type of job. Um, we see from the outside looks all flashy and all dinner parties and whatnot, but that's not really what it what it's about, right? It's about having a long, long stamina 
to to keep on keep on working with your founders to be a cheerleader to be someone on the sideline who says hey we can come through this like i've seen other companies who had tough times uh don't don't uh, don't be don't be too devastated if your if your lead customer has quit or if your new hire didn't pan out to be the greatest hire you ever made so it's this i think experience that we see the good we see can transport so well and i've seen much more experienced colleagues from other firms or from my firm in the boardroom who transport that relaxedness, that confidence so well that, that, that founders oftentimes need because their life is, is incredibly stressful and, and full of uncertainties. But if you have someone by your side who can say, yeah, this sucks and it's tough, but we'll get through this and there's going to be another day tomorrow. So, Let's find another hire, or let's let's find the next bigger customer. I think that that feeling of of confidence of someone next to you who's seen it a couple of times is can be incredibly valuable to to our founders. So, uh, first of all, as we see, your job is not to freak out because your founder certainly will freak out every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They are in good and bad uh, on the front lines, and they are the heroes, but also yeah. the, the ones who. Uh, suffered the most how has covid changed your day-to-day like i've heard some funky ways people kind of deal with like some people have um sunday pitching walks where they go to like a park and you know founders walk next to the vc and pitch without slides and there's all sorts of interesting funky ways um people adapt do you have any favorite ones or is it just like zoom Hey, uh, first of all, I hate the word pitching. I want to understand the story <laughs> of the founders and what their plan is. So, so I'm trying to avoid the word pitch under all circumstances. But the question then is is, is obviously a very valid one. How do I get to know founders today versus versus 12 months ago? And and I'm I'm someone who really enjoys social interactions face to face. So it's not been super easy for me in the beginning to build the same relationship via Zoom. But then. There's also a fantastic opportunity in all of that, right? You see, and and you're sitting in Singapore. I'm in Berlin, and we're having this great conversation here. And and um, all of a sudden, the world that was flat before has for sure been been ironed in the last 12 months. And mm-hmm. and Random has been doing deals uh, remotely in in many countries in the last 12 months. Something that we were quite frankly, skeptical about in the beginning. Can we wire 10 million euros to a group of folks that we've never met before? Yeah. Uh, that, that's scary. That's yeah. scary in the beginning. I mean, you're... you're I think everyone went through that. I mean, that was a big... Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> we have uh, our India head, uh, Rajiv, awesome guy. And I, I'm under, I think no one outside India Antler, has ever met the guy and he's now our lead partner. That's right. In our presence. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's quite fascinating. That's a whole new dimension, right? Getting to getting or not getting to know new colleagues. Um, but quickly following up on on the on the initial question, what has changed? Hey, we're using all types of tactics to to try to get to know people. So what I like to do now is mm-hmm. I'm ordering food for founders, and I'm having Zoom dinners um, nice. because wow. that social nice. setting just changes the energy a little bit and makes people relax more, mm-hmm. and then they don't Throw feel their pitching. Yeah. Why not? Right. Why not? Why not? Exactly. No, but, but that's not what it's about. It's about, it's about getting people into a mood where they feel they can loosen up and don't feel this is a business relationship because 
for sure venture capital, the name itself, capital says it, it is the core of, of business. But we see such a human human business. And as I mentioned before, if I don't feel comfortable with you, I also don't want to give you my money. Um, so, and neither should you, yeah. you shouldn't, you shouldn't choose an investor who you don't want to have dinner with, right? Then pick the next one. Money is a commodity. It's both ways. And, and you, you talked about the relationship. Uh, it's almost like a marriage with an expiry date. Um, you know, the relationship that a founder has with the VC and, um, and this relationship, uh, you know, so in, in what is your ideal investor founder relationship? Do you see it as a combination of mentorship, advisory, or a partner or a guide? How would you, if you could, if you could name it as the ideal relationship, especially in this new way that we have to interact and keep moving forward, what would it be? Yeah, a fantastic question. The answer is, and you won't like this, it depends. And it depends on the individual, the stage of the company, the experience of the founders. Um, so what I do every six months, I check in with my founders and ask, do you want more Simon or less Simon in the next six months? Um, and, and and thankfully, very rarely do they do they say, I want less Simon. Um, but so the interaction is, is, is incredibly different from company to company and founder to founder. There are, there's a company right now that I'm seeing 90 minutes every Thursday right now. So weekly handholding, like coaching. We talk about office rental contracts and um, different uh, intern profiles, but also larger business development topics and fundraising. Mm -hmm. And then there is companies in my portfolio and founders in my, in, that I work with who run three, four, 500 people organizations across continents. They don't, they need much less day-to-day um, -day interaction. And we're much, much more talking about strategic initiatives. Uh, we're talking about, quality of the executive team that they're putting together. Uh, they want help in benchmarking profiles. Um, and they want my opinions on, on new senior hires. Um, so, so that's why this answer is so incredibly difficult to put in, put in a single sentence. Yeah. But when you, so speaking of hiring and you're advising your founders or the startups that you guys have invested in, you've been a founder before you've been yeah. a CPO and, um, also a CEO and founder. So, so in terms of hiring for tech and business roles, do you see a difference? Uh, and, and, you know, what, what do you look for when you hire? Oh, that's, that's a, that's a difficult, that's the most difficult question you are, you asked today. Um, <clears throat> and yes, I've been hiring, hiring, uh, across, across functions and, and levels. Um, uh, Without going too much stereotype on the business side, I'm I'm much more looking for 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 drive and energy and ambition and 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 fit. But on the technical side, um, raw talent trumps. Right, you can be you can be someone that is more introvert, more more quiet, more 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 focused on your on the outcome and you can be a fantastic addition to any tech tech team right um but but on the business side again if you if you don't have drive and and uh, and the willingness to win or the ambition to win that, then that's always always difficult for me to get excited for you because that's a quality that i i i value in myself the the urge to win and and um, yeah, if you if you do if you're treating this as a job, then 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 you're difficult to pass the Simon test. The Simon test. 
Fascinating. Um, okay, so switching gears a bit, like Puja mentioned, you've been a founder, um, a couple of different companies, for example, Food Panda, um, globally, right? Um, and you've operated deeply in the US, but also in Asia as well as Europe. Be fascinated to hear a bit about like the differences you see in building a business in these different markets and you know what are the what are the kind of deepest and best lessons you'd like to share from from that experience yeah for sure i've been an executive or founder in in europe the us and asia and and um, what's certain for sure is that i'm not an expert on the asian market um so I could talk a lot about America because my wife's from there. I've, I've studied and, and worked there for multiple years. And again, I'm from Europe. Um, my, my expertise on the Asian market is 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 nothing that your founders should, or your, your listeners should take for for as granted or something that is deeply rooted. But there are for sure, for, for sure certainties. I mean, what I as a European love so much about the U.S. is is the customer's willingness to 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 try out new, the, the the willingness to spend on on services, the willingness to 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 change habits with new with new offerings. Uh, the, the Germans, the, the Europeans, but especially the Germans, and again, I'm German, uh, often very skeptical and are not willing to pay for anything. Why, why does this cost the euro fifty more than the previous version, which is significantly worse than than the new version of something? Um, um, in Asia, in Asia, the, the, the consumers are, are very different from country to country. So I think it's very difficult to to generalize and say Asia or Southeast Asia. That's at least the experience that we had when we built up Food Panda. And I was responsible um, in the global team overlooking uh, Thailand from Bangkok. Uh, I was in KL a lot and I lived in Singapore. But we had we had offices in the Philippines, in, in Vietnam, uh, um, in Hong Kong eventually. And and it was different from country to country. The expectations on on service, the expectations on on timing, the expectations on on customer customer service. Um, so at least for me, it's difficult to say this is Asia. There, yeah, it's it's absolutely. so different. It's so different. Very interesting. And you know, building on on those you know founder experiences, are there you know some lessons you typically share with your founders or anything you want to share in terms of kind of best practices or, or scars you have that, you know, makes you want to help people avoid mistakes you made or, you know, any, anything to share on that? Yeah, that's, that's a, um, that's a, that's a minefield, I believe. Mm. Um, seeing very accomplished founders turn investor can be both a blessing and and a horrible experience for any founders uh, that they work with your experience of the 70s in software in uh, in the US is not as relevant as you might think for today's startups so when it comes to distilling my my learnings which are very very specialized to uh, customer acquisition or to marketing plans uh, that, that were relevant eight, nine years ago in the U.S. at HelloFresh, I, 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 under all circumstances, try to avoid the you should do this because it worked well for me type of attitude. I hate that. I hate that from colleagues in the boardroom. But being a founder turned investor gives you a, a very good gut feeling 
for for the emotions that the founders experience. It gives you a good gut feeling for the severity of certain problems because all problems initially feel great, feel big and massive and threatening. But if you yourself live through a couple of situations, then then I think it helps you judge how life threatening that sad loss of large customer or mishire that your founder experience truly is. And and then again, that that allows I think founders turned investors to be to be just initially a little bit more on point when it helps to providing feedback. Once again, I'm, I'm under all circumstances trying to prevent, to tell you what to do because it has worked for me in the past. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of wisdom in that statement. And uh, I mean, you get a certain type of founder empathy almost um, and being yeah, able to I be calm on your side and to your point earlier about just being a sounding board and be like, hey, maybe it's not that serious. And, you know, there's the next customer we can go after. How about we do this? Yeah. That is super valuable. Um, but just to make sure, right, there are great investors who haven't been founders before. There is fantastic, fantastically successful and, mm-hmm. and, and great mentors. Um, so I don't think it's a requirement just to make sure that, that this point doesn't get across wrong. Yeah, especially today when, when, like you mentioned, there's a career path of joining a VC early on and then basically just growing up inside that VC firm. I'm on the board with someone like that in a, in a portfolio company and I would argue the most thoughtful and impressive person in that boardroom. Um, absolutely. So, absolutely. absolutely possible. Puja, you so, wanted to go I, with, uh, to to like um, the food tech side of things, etc. Right? Yes, I did. I, I, you know, you not just your past, but you're also investing in um, uh, different sort of food tech startups, yeah. and of course, you know, alternative sources of protein with climate sustainability. It's a big thing and a forefront um, of, of discussions between governments, business leaders. How do you see technology and innovation playing a role in creating new sources and supply chains of food? And I would like you to talk specifically of your experience in Europe, um, you know, Absolutely. and what you're seeing there. Absolutely. Uh, it's a fascinating field, right? Um, I, I love to cook. I love to eat. I have worked in multiple food food startups, but which were much more on the on the logistics, on the uh, on the way how people get to eat, not what they eat, uh, type of things. Krenim uh, invested in the original model that that HelloFresh, which is the company that I, I ran in the US, um, copied, which is called Lina's Matkasa. It's a Swedish model, and it's strange, the strange interaction. Meeting the founders once I joined. Once I joined Creandum and say, hey, I'm the ex-CEO of HelloFresh in the US. And they're like, ah, you're the guy that copied us. That was a really <laughs> great interaction, ju- just as a the side story. But hey, all, all, all good. It's a, it's a great, Linus is a great company. Um, when it comes to, to uh, um, figuring out what to eat, uh, the, the alternative proteins that you talked about, Creandum has done one investment in a company called um, Stockel Dreamery, used to be called Noco, which is a which is a alternative protein for vegan cheese. Um, probably you, at least I, didn't know that vegan cheese doesn't melt. And if you want to create pizzas um, uh, or any industrial <laughs> food, vegan cheese, you have these little curds that don't melt. And that's a really, really 
difficult experience for anyone who likes to experience vegan processed food. So that's a that's a that's a, a topic that we ventured in. Um, we spent a lot of time with, with alternative meat forms or types, and we weren't maybe bold enough to to take that bet because it's a very research. Um, an R&D heavy field, at least at the time when, when we looked at it. And, and we were fantastically good at Creandum in, in judging business models, but judging the quality of lab researchers is, is nothing that we, we pride ourselves in. So we haven't done that. And we regret it because I'm, I'm a massive fan of, of, of Impossible um, and, and the alternative burgers, which I think taste fantastic. And I would switch over anytime. Um, so I would, I would, again, I would like to pretend that I'm an expert in this field, but I'm not, but I'm very intrigued and we, we continue to look at it right now. Actually, actually last, last week I, I met a founder who does um, a new form of fish, uh, lab grown fish, which I think is fascinating. If you look at the salmon farms in Norway and what it does to the environment, it's horrible. So if we can do that better and more sustainable, Hey, count me, count me in. That's, I, I think there's so much going on in this space. Uh, Singapore is the first place in the world that's allowed uh, cultured chicken. So that's made no out of, it's real chicken, but uh, uh, made out of stuff. So no cruelty. And then that's today amazing. I just read uh, that that Finland is making uh, uh, schnitzel out of air and soil. <laughs> so yeah. all wood as the Finnish do. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> You know, when when do you, um, I think you're entering like a whole topic for Germans, right? So when do you think Schlimmann that will penetrate? Like 27 people uh, <laughs> Right. You, no, one, no, one makes, no one makes fun of schnitzel here. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, but that, that's, I mean, that's fascinating. What a time we live in, Puja. Think about it, right? I mean, it's so fascinating and, and I think so rewarding for for us, you you and, I, you and me, to be to be born in a time when when so much innovation so much change is happening and then being allowed to partake in this development and, and maybe play a small role as a couple of companies i think is incredibly rewarding and i'm and i wake up every morning thankful for, for that it's amazing i just imagine what they're going to do next with the shit so like alcohol or something <laughs> When you're over here, I'm going to cook you a fantastic schnitzel, and then you will realize that that making fun of that great food is is absolutely inappropriate. Never, <laughs> never. But hey, you know, I'm sorry, I'd love to. I, I will hold you to that. Um, now, uh, you mentioned sort of sustainability in the context of the like lab grown salmon. Like, I'm, I'm interested to hear like how important is that for you when you're making investment decisions is it a nice to have is it a critical to have is it somewhere between does it not factor at all like how do you look at it from the creator point of view personally yeah fantastic question again um it, it's a it's a it's a it's if it's the most important topic for mankind right now so ignoring ignoring sustainability and, and climate change can be very expensive for all our lps and for sure for my for my son right who who just turned seven so it's a topic that's that's close to everyone at Creando. most of us have families and 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 are really afraid of of envisioning a uh, the future when 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 we're not able to turn around climate change so um it's a topic that we're discussing if we if we should have it man- mandatory in our term sheets right now that our portfolio companies should thrive to become carbon neutral 
Um, we as a firm offset, we, 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 we changed our company. We are um, in, in many operational aspects. We are uh, we're harmonizing travel. We're trying to put board meetings together so we don't fly to London twice, but only once every quarter. And, and small steps like that, but reality also is, um, prior to COVID, we've been we've been living on airplanes, and airplanes suck for the environment. So, so if you, I think it's a little bit hypocritical to say that Simon is a great role model for sustainability. Um, so we're thinking hard of what we can what we can do better. We are we have someone in our team who's who's dedicated looking into investments in that space. I think it's a it's a fascinating topic that's only. Um, that's only growing from here on carbon offsetting marketplaces technologies um, and, but we haven't we haven't pulled the plug on, on any investment dedicated to decarbonization or, or offsetting so we are users of these platforms but we haven't supported one yet okay. um, we got a couple so let's uh, let's talk yeah. after <laughs> yeah. but it's great to hear that you're taking that seriously because there's so many free riders in the system you know and at least you're taking steps i, I know it's unavoidable yeah. to fly sometimes yeah. like taking the boat taking a boat somewhere a ship will will not uh, help much i'm afraid so you know at least you're trying right um, what also like, uh, again, a bit of a switch of gears, but, um, like that's one hot topic. Um, uh, are there some sectors you're really bullish and excited about right now? Like what's the March, April, 2021 prediction for what's going to be hot in the couple, next couple of quarters in terms of what you're looking to invest in? I'm sure that that many many VC colleagues around the world are listening to your podcast. I'm not going to share the the inner secrets. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, every every one of us at Creandum has has a couple of fields that they're interested in and spend more time on. Um, so so the answer both 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 allows a Creandum answer and then a Simon answer. Um, but if we if we only focus on on what I look at right now, it is I spend a lot of time in fintech infrastructure. That is both enabling um, fintechs, banks, insurances to do things better, cheaper, faster, but at the same time also allowing non-fintechs to to provide services, integrated finance, banking as a service, trading via an API, enabling enabling existing business models, SaaS platforms, marketplaces to hold money, to provide bank accounts, to issue cards, <clears throat> or, or companies who have a a large user user base to harvest that user base and and allow them to trade, for example, within their product that can be fintechs and non fintechs. So I, I I like ideas that enable others to build things big. But then again, I mm-hmm. just invested in a uh, in the democratization of of fraud prevention. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young team from Hungary in London who is revolutionizing how companies can stop being frauded or their users frauding them um and and uh, yeah I, I just that example alone uh, fraud fraud has been an incredibly um, slow and old school industry where you need to have pocs and then fifty thousand euro contracts up front but they're doing fraud prevention but you can start within an hour 
and you pay as you go per API call. And that alone, that innovation alone in an, in an existing big industry is something that fascinates me. But then we have people who spend a lot of time, digital health, again, climate tech we talked about. Um, we spend a lot of time in, in e-commerce infrastructure right now. Um, I look a lot into payments. Um, trading is really hot right now. Um, and we continue to find great SaaS companies of, of all type. So we're a journalistic fund, and, and hence our portfolio will continue to be very journalistic. Um, yeah, I hope that gives you a little bit of an overview. That's, that's great. So keeping the internet safe, um, borderless banking, and of course, sustainability is at the forefront, seems like, of, of your thesis right now. That's a great summary. That's a great summary, Pooja. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the cybersecurity is also like, it's, it's insanely important for mankind these days. Like, in my native Finland, there was recently a case where someone hacked um, the patient files of a therapist clinic, like psychiatrist, and, and they were really saying things there, like someone confessing, you know, that they had pedophilic thoughts at some point and obviously never acted on it, but just sharing this, you know, insanely private information. And then that's published online with name and all the details. It's like this wow. is really serious stuff no. leading to suicide. And all security. That, but, you know, so that's a great mission as well for, for mankind. Anyway, sorry, Pooja, you were... Uh, no, so no, I, I was I was just summarizing because there was so much, but yes, I think I think these are three broad topics that can actually in a way be applied globally, right? I mean, borderless yeah. banking yeah. and keeping the internet safe. So I'd like to close by asking you, what do you like most about being a venture capitalist? That's a that's a that's a good question. I can talk about this for another two hours if you want to. <laughs> um, so I said, what? Likes to, likes being a venture capitalist. That's good. <laughs> no, no, but but uh, the, the, there's many things I like about this. I, I feel incredibly blessed to to have found this this profession and this place, uh, this team that I work with that that is that, that is so incredibly smart, and and I learn from every day. But summarizing, and I touched upon this earlier a little bit is. I, I get to work with the brightest and boldest people in the world that push what's possible further every single day that can be in technology that can be in society that can be in um uh, in regulation and innovation and and being part of that group of people um and just standing next to them and watching what they're doing is so incredibly rewarding and even better than that i get to pick those people i get to pick which topics i want to spend my time on for the next eight, nine, ten years on. And I can do that multiple times a year. So if I find something new, interesting, I, I get to pick um, that I would like to spend time in this field or that field. That is that is fascinating. Um, and, and, and seeing seeing then some of these companies become uh, become build products that touch millions of hundreds of millions of people's lives is is so so rewarding. We invest in a company called Kahoot. You mentioned earlier, which does quizzing for for schools. They have a slightly above a hundred million uh, monthly active users. I think is the current number. And when my son came home from school and told me that they uh, that they have played a Kahoot, that feeling is like, yeah, I'm, we're part of that journey. We made this happen to a small degree. And just seeing the the excitement in his eyes every time he he, he told me that they have played another Kahoot in school. Wow, that that's a great feeling. So being able to to contribute very very small 
to to products that touch people's lives, which ultimately become commercially very successful. Um, that's very rewarding. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Simon. And uh, it was great having you. And thank you for sharing your journey and your lessons learned. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. You have been listening to the Antler VC cast with me, Pooja Parwani and UC Salovara. Antler is a global VC firm headquartered in Singapore with 14 locations globally, and we are growing. To learn more about Antler, our portfolio companies, and our philosophy, visit us at www.antler.co or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Antler Global. Thank you for listening.